Score North. Download Declan Goff in with Rami Makloff and Phil Mack. Or excuse me, Judd Zolgan. Wow, I, I jumped the gun there, Judd. I'm not fired. Hey, hey, is that Will Shakespeare on there? Mackie, I can't fired. tell. Oh, oh, man. Rami, I don't think noticed. All right, Rami might not even be there. I noticed. Uh, don't worry, I noticed. Okay, cool. Uh, Score North, the many of our great local advertising partners remain open for business, and you can hear from them daily right here on Score North, scorenorth.com, and the free Score North app. We are all in this together here. You can support our local community by visiting scorenorth.com, keyword open. Also, be sure to enter to our Draft Day 1K giveaway. Download our Score North app. Enter through listening rewards and correctly predict who the Vikings will take with their first round selection, and you could win a thousand dollars. I can't win. I have thought about quitting, um, but I realize that would be a silly mistake. So I can't win, but you can win. Enter through listening rewards on the Score North app, and you could win a thousand big ones. We're uh, waiting for Dan Orlovsky to join us right now from ESPN, but in the meantime, we'll get back into Score North Live with Rami and Judd. Orlovsky's not there yet, then, Declan? That is correct. I'm assuming, because I can't yep. see you. Usually yep. you'd like... And as I said, he's not here. Listening's hard. Up to Got the you. Screen, so <laughs> this show has turned contentious, and you called me <laughs> Phil Mackey, and I don't know who should be more insulted, me or Mackey. <laughs> me. He forgot me, Judd. He, that's, that's who should be insulted. Oh, no, I, I thought he said you and Phil Mackey. No, he said Judd Zolgad and Phil Mackey. He <laughs> left me out. Zolgad didn't listen. He left the host of the <laughs> show out. Wow. You left the everyday host of the show Two hours out. into 36 hours of purple, we are firing on all cylinders. <laughs> it is 36 hours oh. of purple. Presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group. Also, right now, it's the Draft Day 1K giveaway. We are giving away $1,000 to someone who correctly predicts who the first draft pick will be by the Minnesota Vikings. How do you enter, you ask? I want $1,000, Rami. How do I enter, you're asking? How do I enter? Rami. Well, Judd. Rami. You also can't win unless you want to quit and try to get your job back next week after we give away the $1,000. No, thanks. You open the Score North app. Download it if you don't already have it. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? It's free, and it's got so much good content written and audio. You register. You enter through listener rewards in the menu. Enter the name of the player you think will be picked. And bam, you're entered to win $1,000. If you guess the right person, you have a chance to win $1,000. Another guy whose money, you hear him uh, see him frequently on ESPN. Get up, specifically. Former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky. Dan, how are you this afternoon? Uh, afternoon. I'm doing well, guys. How about yourself? Doing well. It's it's uh, it's good to talk to you. Let, let's start with the current Vikings before we get into the draft and, and the, the, the position that you specialize in, Dan, which is the quarterback position. I don't know how much more there is to get out of Kirk Cousins than what we saw last year. Not to say that he was a world beater last year. I just think that maybe what you saw from him... It was good, and maybe the peak of what you can get out of a Kirk Cousins. Do you think there's more there's more juice to squeeze out of that lemon, so to speak? Yeah, you could certainly say that. I would actually say that you, last last season's version of Kirk was maybe his best version. You know, he he conquered a lot of the demons that had been following him, following him, or at least storylines that had followed him. And you know, I remember at the beginning of the year when he was really struggling and. Um, I would watch tape and I'd be like, man, he just looks like he has no confidence right now. And there was moments I remember watching the Chicago game on the road where he would just be in a really bad place in the pocket. And I'm talking about like this pocket would be really clean and he'd be leaving the pocket or skittish in it. And I had said like, you know, the Vikings might entertain bringing someone in here, maybe trade for a Josh Rhodes or something because this is a really good football team. And if Kirk doesn't get his confidence back, that's a big problem. And as the season went on, you know, he had, he had the big 
primetime win, and then he has the big comeback win, and he just started chipping away, and you could see him getting more confident and more confident, and obviously the massive road win in the playoffs. And so I think that the fact that he conquered some of those things and maybe quieted the narrative around him is really good for him moving into the future. And, you know, Kirk is still very much so in the prime of his career. And um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, the comfort level with the new play caller and how they replace Stephon Diggs, obviously. But yeah. there's more to Kirk, and I think you'll see can, you'll see him take more steps. Dan, do you think that Kirk Cousins can win a Super Bowl? Because he, he can certainly put up good statistics, and I think he could probably win a division. But if you were sitting in Rick Spielman's chair, do you think that he can be the starting quarterback on a team that holds the Lombardi Trophy? Yeah, uh, the answer is yes. The, the way you phrased the question is the, the 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 latter way is the correct way. I don't think Kirk Cousins is the reason you go win a Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes won the Super Bowl essentially. You know what I'm saying? Like he was this massive difference maker. Do I believe that Kirk Cousins can quarterback a team that wins the Super Bowl? Yes. Now. He is uh, like probably the group of seventh-ranked quarterback to 15th-ranked quarterback where he is one of the – needs the right play caller, needs the right people around him, needs to be in the correct scheme. A lot of – there's that group of 7 to 15 who can't transcend that stuff, who cannot overcome that stuff. And so, yeah, with the right football team in the right moment and you stay healthy and you get hot, yes, you can – I do believe that Kirk can quarterback a team – that wins the Super Bowl, but he will not be the reason that they win the Super Bowl. He will be part of the journey. Talking with Dan Orlovsky of ESPN here on Score North Live. You're the first person. I thought it was kind of a brilliant way of putting it and assessing the quarterback position to describe it as the art of playing the position and the science of playing the position. Would Would you say that Kirk Cousins... He's pretty good at the science of playing the quarterback position, but the art and the improvisation that that makes the great one great, that's that's probably where he's lacking a little bit. Correct. Yeah, I mean, you know, Kirk is structured and he wants to play on rhythm and timing and A plus B equals C. And if A plus B doesn't equal C, then you get a significantly lesser version of him. He is not going to be the guy that goes above and beyond the X's and O's. Now, he still can operate and execute those X's and O's at a really efficient level. I mean, he was, you know, people chuckled at it, but three-quarters of the way through the season, you, you would have thrown his name into an MVP conversation. Whether However many names got thrown in there, that's up to the people, maybe a top ten. So, like, he, he's not going to be the person that you can sit there as a coach and go, we can kind of dial up anything here. Because if it's not there, Kirk is going to make something happen. He does. It's harder to be his play caller. That's in in some aspects because he can't bail you out. He won't bail you out as a play caller. Meaning, if you make a call that stinks and they lock you up, he's not going to be the guy that goes, "Coach, don't worry, I got this. Watch what watch what I do." Now he's also a guy that you can trust as a play caller. That hey, I'm calling this play to do this, and and Kirk will operate and execute in that in that capacity. So, um, he. I kind of phrase it like this, man. There's some cats in the NFL right now at the quarterback position that they can go create their own shot in the basketball court. You know, Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. creates his own shot. Lamar Jackson creates his own shot. Russell Wilson creates his own shot. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's been doing that for a long time. Kirk is a guy that will knock down his, his open jumper. He can score. 
You know, if you're the coach that you draw up the open play and you get him on that ball screen or picking something like that and you get him an open look, he, he will knock down his jumper. But he cannot go one-on-one isolation mode and create his own shot. And that's the difference where Kirk is and some of these other guys. You can win with both. Um, there's just different ways to have to do it. One of the flaws in his game, Dan, when when I watch, is it seems that he he doesn't feel pressure soon enough to to avoid it, and then once he does feel it, he kind of panics and either runs into more pressure or even worse off gets hit and and then fumbles the ball. Is that something that you can you can coach a quarterback to do or teach him to do to feel that to have the pocket presence, or is that either something that you have or you don't? I believe it's something that you have and then slowly kind of build, you know, acquire throughout your youth and sports and, you know, the different activities you go part of. I don't think at 24, 28, 31, you're going to get that much better at that. Can you get incrementally, you know, very, very small kind of steps forward better at it? Of course you can, like anything. You know, I I get your point and it's valid, but – I think that one of the great things that all great athletes do, and mainly great, if you're great at anything, is you have to know yourself. And I'm sure Kirk is aware that that is not something that he does well. And so the alternative would be, or the devil's advocate from my angle would be, well, if Kirk's not good at moving in the pocket, and it usually creates something bad, well, then it makes no sense for him to try and do it more often. You know, Philip Rivers was a guy who was never great at it as well. He actually was a guy that wanted the pressure in his face because it, he just operate. That's where he was at his best, or that's what that's when he minimized what he did worst. And so, um, I think that Kirk, you know, certainly is going to take small steps forward. But at the end of the day, if he knows, listen, me getting out the pocket isn't good for anybody, then maybe he's committed to staying in there and trying to work his way through progression to get the ball out. Dan, do you think that uh, Tua falls in the first round on Thursday and offshoot of that question, from what you've seen on tape, do you believe that he is ultimately going to be what we consider to be a franchise quarterback? Uh, No and yes. Yes, I believe that Tua is going to be a franchise quarterback. Mm -hmm. I, like many people, caveat that with, I've said this, Tua is going to get drafted. And where he gets drafted, I guess, is important. But what they do with Tua once they draft him is equally as important. We all, no one thought Andrew Luck was going to become an undurable quarterback, but the Colts abused him. And so what the, whatever team drafts him, what they do with him is just as important as where they draft him. Build your offensive line the right way. Make sure you have good players around him that get, give him the opportunity to get the ball out of his hands. Make sure he's got a really good play caller, right? If you have all those things, yes, he is going to be an absolute stud at that position. I don't think he falls. Um, I just find it very convenient that seven to ten days before the draft comes around, all beginning of last week or so, to his name starts to plummet, and the Wonderlick score gets leaked. And all of a sudden, Justin Herbert's skyrocketing up draft boards. And um, I... I, maybe I'll be wrong, and I'm okay with being wrong at times. But I, I think that he will be the second quarterback off the board. Um, I think worst-case scenario, he goes five to Miami. Um, and I just I, – I can't run from what my eyes see on tape. Do you see a surprise team that you think might take Tua? Because we, we've been talking about it, and I've said, I don't think it's likely, but I do think it's a real possibility 
that Tua does slide the draft board, maybe even as far as to the Vikings at number 22, because after the Bengals, Dan, I see three teams that would be looking for a quarterback or at least need a quarterback badly enough that they would use a first-round pick on it, and that's the Dolphins, the Chargers, and maybe the Raiders. Do you see a team outside of those three who you think might have Tua on their board and could surprise some people in using their first-round pick on him? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, nothing. being 12 years in the NFL and now kind of two years attached to the NFL and media, nothing shocks me or surprises me. Um, I don't think there's any chance Tua gets to 22. Um, you know, I think the reality is this. If Tua gets outside the top 10, there's, there's everyone's phone's going to be on, on, you know, getting called because you can make the case that, uh, the New Orleans Saints could jo- jump up and go get him. You can make the case that the Indianapolis Colts could try and jump up and get him. You can make the case that the Packers would. Um, you know, these teams that have their older veteran quarterbacks that are on the, hey, do we get the receiver that's going to help our older quarterback play well, or do we get the next 15 years? And so there's, if Tua falls out of the top 10, I would imagine, you know, there's going to be plenty of teams trying to jump up uh, and, and go and take him. Dan, how, how much do you think that, that this draft is going to be um, altered or changed by, by the fact that the month of March, for the most part, basically got canceled, and we ordinarily have pro days and teams going back to give you know more psychology testing and all of those things that ordinarily get done that weren't done. How, how much do you believe the teams are sort of going to alter philosophies or maybe make different picks based on what they didn't get? Yeah, it'll be really different. You know, I've said that teams are going to rely more on the tape, what they saw out of the player and where they had that player graded in December, you know, because they haven't had the opportunity to go and sit down with the guy and go, you know what? Wow, this guy ran 4-3, and I really liked his answers on what did he like, milk chocolate or dark chocolate, and all those (laughs) things that sometimes I'm like, what are we doing here? So I think that there will be some guys, that do fall, that a lot of mock drafts or whatnot, and not to their fault, but a lot of mock drafts, you know, may have ranked high. And then I think there's going to be some guys that, you know, maybe are, are seen by the general public as second-round picks or something that go in the first round and everyone's going to be going, huh. And so, you know, I've said this. The, the teams that are good at what they do, the teams that have good general managers, they're going to be at a massive advantage because um, because they don't they, – they can – they, have, they can trust their eyes more. They can be more reliant on being good at what they do and less reliant on statistics or analytics or projections or whatnot. And so um, I, I think it'll be different. I think it's going to be must-see television because we will be shocked by some of the things that happen, as we are often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it'll be a lot of fun. Dan, I think it's a it's a possibility that this this draft, the the virtual draft that they're doing, and all the limitations that they've had leading up to it, might actually be a saving grace for some NFL teams who maybe overthink things as the process goes along, and with a little bit less information at their fingertips to overthink it. Like I said, maybe a saving grace for a couple of NFL front offices. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I totally agree. Like here's the end. Here's here's how it goes at the end of the day. Hey, if you're looking at the quarterback position. Can he think and can he throw? All right, go to the receivers. Does the dude get open or not? And does he catch the ball or not? Don't talk to me about his time and all that stuff. Cool, great. Like the offensive lineman, does he move the person in front of him? And does he not allow the person in front of him to go get the quarterback? You know, I think we're going to get more examples of that where where teams are going to go, 
Now, this guy, we just liked him on tape, and we weren't concerned about where he was with his 40 or whatnot or, again, what, what these answers. So I think that we will see – at the end of the day, like I said, teams are going to separate themselves, and we will know in, I don't know, 18 months or so what teams have good general managers and, what, and scouts and what teams don't. That is Dan Orlovsky. You see him frequently on Get Up and various other ESPN NFL programming and our guest for the last few minutes here on Score North Live. Big fan of what you're doing on the network, Dan. Thanks a lot for a few minutes. Thanks for those kind words, guys. Be safe. Take care. Same to you. There's Dan Orlovsky joining us. He is really good, Judd. Oh, he's fantastic. He's really, really he's good awesome. at breaking down the quarterback position. And I love Absolutely. the energy and excitement that he brings to it. Very few people are as excited about analyzing hey, you know NFL, NFL football and quarterback specifically as Dan Orlovsky. You can hear it in his voice. He's practically always screaming when you see him on TV. Yeah, be passionate, man. I love the I passion. Like I love the passion. I like it. It's not I, fake. I like it a lot. All right. Are you ready to do this, Judd? Are we ready to rank the Vikings' needs? Plain and simple. Rank the Vikings' just needs. rank the needs. Just rank the needs. I got to go back and listen. I didn't hear it yesterday. It must have just... <laughs> I mean, you are like in your own head it was, already. It was remarkable. It was like I can tell right now you're in your head about this. <laughs> it was, and it's the most... Ordinary thing, but okay. Yeah, go was, ahead. Rank the needs. It was such a trade. Wreck. Don't give it any thought. Ronnie. I'm gonna let you go ahead and go first, Judd Zolgat. Declan, if we could get some power ranking oh, sure. music, please, sir. Absolutely. All right. One minute here, and let's just start with at the top, their greatest need, and then work your way down to the least greatest need. Judd Zolgat, okay. if that makes sense. Yes, right. and I've got here. We go. I've got four position okay. groups. Okay. All right. My top need for the the Vikings is cornerback right now. They don't have really. I thought you'd go. I thought you'd go left tackle. Left tackles too, but cornerback, you've got Mike Hughes, and after that, what Holton Hill? You don't have you. You lost not only um, Rhodes and Waynes, who were your starting outside corners, but you lost Alexander, who was your starting, and that's basically a starting job, uh, slot corner as well. So cornerback is my greatest need for the Vikings. Two left tackle, three. Receiver, assuming that you're going to throw the football, which Stefan Diggs assumed you wouldn't do, so he forced his way out of here. And then four, defensive tackle. So corner, Defensive tackle, not defensive end. Defensive tackle. You've got ends. This, this whole this whole thing, about, I mean, yes, it's a luxury to have um, Hunter and Griffin, but Hunter is a stud and he's still here. And you've got guys who can play. I think you have actual real needs because I don't believe, uh, Rami, that Shamar Stephens the guy. So I think defensive they tackle. In Ricky Pierce, the guy. Oh, from, uh, from the Baltimore. guy from Baltimore. Well, yeah, but no, but he he's a uh, nose tackle, not the three tech. So I'm talking about a three tech. So corner, left tackle, wide like receiver. It. Well, the three tech man, incredibly important, and then defensive tackle and defensive end would come after. Really? See, I'm going. I'm I'm the first three positions, same as you. Left tackle. Cornerback, wide receiver. Then I get to guard, Judd. They're still down to starting guard. That's fair. You're fair, yeah. From a bad offensive line. This is not a debate. You're right, too. From a bad offensive line, they've already opened a spot on the depth chart. Yeah. Where they they needed upgrades. They needed upgrades across across <laughs> the front. Not going to argue with you. And they so opened good. up a hole. Yes. They're already worse at one of the offensive line positions than what they were next year. Like, if you just came back and said, we're going to run it back again, same guys, second year in the system, second year working with Gary Kubiak, I would say, okay, maybe there's a chance for improvement here. Yes. 
You've already you've downgraded at one of your guard positions, and we already knew left tackle was a position of concern. Is air worse than Josh Klein? I mean, yeah, I would I think mean, just so. Air? I would think so. Just a big empty space. Why would it? Why, yeah, why would he starting at right guard? Air. If he wasn't, why wasn't he starting? <laughs> you know what I mean? No, like, I'm talking about an empty position. Yeah, whoever it is. I'm not talking about a human Who, being. Whoever's next up on the depth chart. Yes, you're right. If they were better, they would have been starting next year. So I'm going left tackle, cornerback, uh-huh. wide receiver. Uh-huh. Because I I know Gary Kubiak's offenses in the past have had pre, one premier wide receiver and still been very productive. I just find it hard to believe that with a quarterback who relies as much as Kirk Cousins does on what's around him, that you're not going to miss just the production of Stephon Diggs. Who's your deep threat, too? That's my question. It's not Thielen. Thielen's not your consistent um, deep threat. So the production and what he does to defenses, the attention that he draws, the coverage that slides over to deal with a Stephon Diggs helped other people get open. It's a big part of the reason why Dalvin Cook was able to catch screen passes and there was nobody in front of him for 25 yards because they were covering Stephon Diggs. So as you bring up all of these points, and they are incredibly valid, don't you begin to think that that what you and Collard discussed yesterday, that the theory, which might be absolutely correct, really is going to be door two, which is you get a lot of players to fill positions the expectation with with essentially your off-season program wiped out is they're not going to develop now. They will develop later. And that really going forward, this is more about 21, 22. Yeah, I think they're going to give Mike right. they're going to give Mike Zimmer a shot to coach him up and they're going to say if you do coach him up, you'll have a job in 2021 and beyond. And if you don't, this roster will be well stocked for mm-hmm. the next head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. I really, after the discussion with Collar yesterday, I really think that's where they're leaning. Then after wide receiver, I get to the left guard position that I mentioned before. And then you're saying defensive end is not much of a concern. No, for you, no, it, it's a concern. Defensive tackle to me, and especially that three tech is a bigger concern See, to defensive me. Defensive tackles are more about clogging up the middle of the line and, and stopping the run. Not it's, as much now, man. It's they 2020. Can, they, they can rush now. The I'm, Bears got guys that can put true. pressure on. I mean, it it's never hurts position. to have a pass rush up the middle, but more often than not, you get it off the edge, and you just lost a guy in Everson Griffin who had a really, really good season. Unless he comes back, that is still a possibility from what I understand. But right now, you're you're without a guy who got eight and a half sacks and put a bunch but of pressure on quarterbacks, quarterbacks last year. Like, Look at what you just ran down. Yes. That's not one or two positions. And not only that, Judd, but these are premium NFL positions. Mm-hmm. Like, if we were going to do, and don't worry, Declan, I'm not power rankings of what the most important positions in the NFL are. Let's start with kicker, Declan. <laughs> then punter and long snapper. Hey, don't don't bag on long snappers around Courtney Cronin no. or Matthew Collins. I didn't say but, that in front of them. Okay, in front of you two. Courtney it, will call from Chicago. In, in some order, in some order, the, the, the most important positions in the NFL are quarterback. Yes. And then left tackle, wide receiver, defensive end and cornerback left tackle for sure and they need all those things yes they need all those things yes a day ahead of the draft can you really can you really expect that that with the offseason almost certainly completely lost now that mike zimmer is going to have a really good chance to as you term it coach guys up who he's might see for the first time in pads on the field you know god willing in late july and it might be later than that it's going to be really tough. A lot of big holes to fill for the Minnesota Vikings ahead of the draft. 
huge holes to fill. Yes. Judd, how much is there to the uh, the Percy Harvin stuff that's out there right now? Do you, well, think, it, do you think that's something that the Vikings would consider at this point? He says, quote, the itch came back to play football again, and uh, his agent has, has thrown a line in the waters to see if any NFL teams will bite and are interested in the services of former Vikings wide receiver Percy Harvin. He's 31 years old. Um, if the Vikings were all in to try and win immediately – then I think you probably take that phone call from uh, Percy's representatives. But if you've got a roster spot that can be utilized for a developing receiver or a player that you like, if I'm the Vikings, I say no thank you. You You're not interested. Now, if I was on the precipice of thinking I was a really good team, and why not take the shot? Then yes. I thought Percy Harvin was going to be an absolute stud when he came into this league. Rami, I covered him in 09. Oh, my gosh. Versatile, athletic ability off the charts. I always thought he was a pretty smart player, too. But he could be, if he came in the league now, because in two, in 2009, the Vikings did a very good job of utilizing him in different ways, and this is 2009. Can you imagine that guy coming into the league now and the amount of ways that, that a guy like Andy Reid with the offense he runs could utilize Percy Harvin, Rami? Yeah. Oh, I mean, he was a stud. You're right. He was a he was a burner. He was big and strong and had the 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 quick twitch and cut ability. Not just not just straight ahead speed, but he just he seemed like the total package. Judd, what went wrong? Why didn't Foot it work? Wrong. Why didn't it work? You can't say quick twitch and not know, have me uh, play straight that straight ahead speed. Um, it didn't work because I think Percy Percy what was a recalcitrant guy who grew unhappy. He and Childress definitely clashed. And also, he got stuck with Christian Ponder, man. There's a lot of guys who said, really? This is my quarterback? I mean, Christian Ponder was not good. And and I, I think the final straw for Percy and the Vikings in their relationship with Percy Harvin was the game in Seattle in, I believe it was 2011, where he melted down so badly, Rami, that he yelled on the sideline at Les Frazier. Leslie Frazier's the most mild-mannered football coach I've ever covered, one of the nicest people on the face of this earth. And Percy went ballistic. And you said to Do yourself... Do we know what it was about? He was mad at... I think he was mad at Ponder, and I think his stance was, I'm never going to catch a pass from that guy. And, of course, he's much more colorful language than that. Again, but Percy was never a happy guy. Percy was never completely. And the uh, the problem here, too, was when Childress cut Moss in the approximately one month that Moss rejoined this team in 2010, he and Percy became incredibly close. So Percy's distrust of the Vikings, which probably was not incredibly high when Moss got here, was destroyed by that one month. And after that, it was basically... All south, and if you get in, if you go yell at Les Frazier, you got problems. Yeah, he's one of those guys. I'm not kidding you. He's one of those guys where you say, if you got a problem with him, that's a you problem. Exactly. That's not a him problem. That's a you problem. problem. Two quick questions before we hit the break, Declan. Do you have any idea what the hell recalcitrant means? I have no idea what Declan means. You're going to ask me what that one means? Recalcitrant's a great word. What is that? What is it? What does it mean? Never heard of it. Teach us. Tough to get along with, bristly, um, not not a huh. guy that you want to deal with. So a okay. synonym would be Zolgad. 
Oh man, that was wow. hurtful. Wow. Oh wow, I was expecting that, a laugh. And that wow. was very. That's what you. That's what. Uh, uh, you know what? This called is bombing our, on stage. This is, is, this, is our, this is hour two of thirty-six <laughs> hours of purple, and we've already gone sideways. <laughs> My other question is: Do I get a point for the good point from Dan Orlovsky and the oh, good I didn't question standing? I think we need to I pull. I think we need to pull that and, and, and review it later. That's review it on a very low list Mackie of power Judd rankings right now. Rami, it, but, was, um, it was. <laughs> well, let's find. Let's find that and let's go back because I do think my, my my inclination is you don't but that being said i think it was the last question i asked i think it goes Declan, before the committee where he said uh he said good point and then went on to answer the question you basically took my question one upped it and got a really nice compliment i did i was okay. very upset I by did. we you. will uh, review that this afternoon on mackie and judge with going. rami that's right here on 1500scorenorth.com and the score north at 36 hours of purple by the way right after mackie and judge with rami I'll be here again. That's right. If you didn't get enough Rami, I'll be here with Matthew Collar for a uh, purple special purple daily wow. from six until eight o'clock tonight. We'll hit a quick break. Can and I call in? The afore- sure. You're welcome anytime, <laughs> Judd. The aforementioned, if you're not working it up in the next day and a half, you're welcome to come through, buddy. Yeah, we'll see you later. <laughs> the aforementioned Matthew Collar joins me for hour two of Score North Live and hour three of 36 Hours of Purple presented by Dennis Kirk and the Canopy Group on 1500 Score North.